the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan. I want to welcome you to the Monday edition of Lifeline, especially since all we can do these days is talk to each other via radio or via internet or via live stream. Um, We are in some very precarious times, are we not, ladies and gentlemen? And we've got to talk about it. We've got to talk about it for the next hour and 55 minutes and see if we can make some sense of um, the government's... uh, Move their radical and very over-the-top move to kind of quell this matter of the coronavirus and make sure that it doesn't have the kind of nemesis apocalyptic effect that uh, some of the scientists and pathologists said would occur with the virus. We've got to consider it in terms of its sociological impact on you and me as we go about our days, and certainly. We've got to address this on a biblical level, on a a theological level, and from a scriptural standpoint. And so that's what I'm here to do with you, Jesse Gistan, on this Monday edition of Lifeline. Glad to have you in the house. The number is one 367 Of course, I want to talk to you about it. Of course, I want to hear... Uh, your response and how you feel and what you're going through, particularly those of you who have never been through this type of quarantine scenario before. I, of course, I want to try to guide you into a, a healthier, uh, more robust and maybe even a, a more um, <clears throat> grounded approach to what we are going through and what we will potentially go through. Because things are changing, they're going to change, uh, they have changed, and the change is going to impact all of us. Uh, we have already heard that we we are in full quarantine shutdown. We've never experienced anything of that nature before in our history as Americans, and uh, and and it's new to everyone listening to my voice. It's new to yours truly. Don't know anything about it. Uh, other than voluntary quarantines when our own household gets sick and it's best to stay inside. But where we are today is in a quarantine mode that um, um, that really is calling our attention to a number of things that are uh, of significant importance. And no, we're not going to jump on, to, uh, you know, a dialogue and rhetoric around, you know, day, uh, doomsday and, and uh, fears and phobic uh, speculations and theories that do not have uh, any real basis in, 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 in the scripture. We're not going to do that. We will talk scripture. We will talk uh, relevance. We will talk um, uh, what do the people of God do? 
when they come across uh, a change of normalcy? What do we do when we find ourselves in a situation where the normal pattern of life is interrupted by some type of uh, encroaching doom, encroaching danger or imminent danger or actual danger? We've talked about this many a times, have we not? The blessing of a normalcy pattern, the blessing of a day where we can be predictably going about our own way and doing what we generally do within the course of a day. And then that day resolves and uh, we lay our heads on our pillows under the assumption that the next day will be just like this day. But here we are now, aren't we uh, all gathered together in the schoolroom classroom of Christ and being taught some things about um, how to deal with providential Transitions. So first and foremost, let it be known that we are under quarantine, according to our um, our governmental officials. Uh, the county has made it very clear that uh, all of us are to stay in our homes uh, uh, and, and, and don't do much traveling and don't engage in too much, uh, you know, interaction with uh, with other human beings. Uh, just we're not we're not we're not call we're not free to do it like that. So, like I said, um, never happened before in our life life. But here we are. Here we are now. I'm going to read a portion of scripture and uh, and then I'm going to kind of talk to you about some some priorities of thought, some some priorities of focus, some some things that I think that we should be doing, particularly as the people of God. But the first thing that you and I do whenever we are met with uh a radical change is we call upon God. We we seek his face. We call upon him. What I'm going to share with you in the scripture here are the promises of God to his people who know him. I'm going to read the whole of this psalm. You have heard it before, but maybe it will have a special application to you at this time. And uh, And then, like I said, I'll take the phone calls of you who are willing to engage me in this particular topic. We are not going off topic. So those of you who are calling with other issues, you can just hang up. We're not We're not taking your calls. Um, We really want to stay on point for these next couple of hours and work through what has been an interruption into our lives. First and foremost, listen to the word of God. Psalm 90 verses 1 through 16. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. David here, if he's the author and we believe that he is, is underscoring a very special relationship that true believers have with the true and the living God in terms of difficult times. This psalm is really a psalm written in the context of warfare and conflict and battle against the people of God. I have a whole series on that at our website, uh, grace-bible.com, if you really wanted to go through this psalm, which yours truly. If you look at verse 1, what it says is, the one that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Did you know that God has a secret place? He has a secret place. This is would be like the uh, the the special uh, special blackout uh, spots uh, that our government uh, possesses all around the world. The uh, the FBI and the uh, uh, CIA would have what are called blackouts, uh, uh, private houses sheltering places for people who are in imminent danger that need to be protected. <clears throat> And the people of God are often in this world in imminent danger and need protection. What is that secret place? Or rather, who is that secret place for the believer? 
Is it not Jesus Christ? Is not Christ the hiding place of all believers? Is he not the place into whom and for whom every believer is hid, according to Colossians chapter 1, verse 1 and 2? That your life is your life is dead and you're you're hid in Christ and that when Christ shall appear, you will also appear with him so that in this world, the believer is a hidden one. According to the Old Testament language, you operate within the secret of a kingdom reality that uh, that has you sheltered under the the authority and, and the dominion and union with Jesus Christ. He is the father's secret place for all believers He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the, watch this now, shadow of the Almighty. Now, there are three things I want you to mark here. The abiding and dwelling, two different Hebrew words, but they both connote the intentional, purposeful, uh, cognitive choice to place oneself in total dependence upon the sufficiency of Jesus Christ to provide for them, to shelter them, and to cover them in the midst of life's storms. The one that dwelleth and that abideth. Both of those terms underscore a position and a perseverance. To dwell is positional. To abide is perseverance. Again, these terms we have unpacked and demonstrated in other texts of Scripture, how they apply to the believer who stays exactly where God wants them to stay so that when danger comes, they are hid, kind of like the children of Israel who were told to abide in their houses and to put the blood on the doorpost so that when the angel of death went by, if he saw the blood, he would pass over them. Well, you and I, if we're believers in Christ, if we know the Lord Jesus Christ and the pardon of our sins, we've been born again. We've been placed in him even as he's been placed in us. We're in Christ and Christ is in us. And we are in that secret place, that that private hideout place that God places all believers in order to protect us. And notice that we are under the shadow of the almighty. That, again, is a military term that takes on a zoomorphism where God is a big breasted eagle that hovers over and shadows over his people to protect them in times of danger. Now, notice how David puts it. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. There it is. And my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. You notice the deliberate intentionality to acknowledge God as a refuge, the place where he will hide and where he will trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers. There it is. And under his wings you shall trust, and his truth shall be a shield and buckler to you. You shall not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrows that fly by day, for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that walketh at noonday. So David here is underscoring the nature of a battle of war with weapons of war, such as arrows being shot at you. But then he's also talking about really the uh, encroaching pet predatorial uh, Nature of Satan and sin and temptation seeking to crouch and find you as one of God's little chicklets, one of his little eagles that if if it were not for the big breasted eagle who watches over her young, the predator could could quite well find you out of pocket and take advantage of you and destroy you, if you will. He says, 
You shall not be afraid, be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by the day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. Again, David is dealing with the full orb danger of the believer under the zoomorphisms, under the warfare motif, under the vulnerability motif, because as zoomorphic uh, types, you and I are like sheep. You and I are like vulnerable animals. We are not always likened unto the predator, although sometimes we are also like the lion of the tribe of Judah. But generally, we are like gazelles and we're like the heart and we're like the deer. We are vulnerable. We are silly and stupid. And life is filled with all kind of dangers that you and I are um, beset about by, including presently this coronavirus, for which uh, you and I need to be sure that we are dwelling in the secret place of the Most High God. Listen to the promises again. A thousand shall fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, your habitation, there shall no evil befall you, neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They shall bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon. There are your predatorial foes in the zoomorphic imagery. And you shall trample underfoot because he has set his love upon me. Therefore, will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me. I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. Will I satisfy him? Ladies and gentlemen, this is an exquisite psalm of perfect protection by the most high God. First and foremost in delivering his faithful son, Jesus Christ, through this world by the incarnation, by his suffering at Calvary as a substitute for sinners and by the promise of having raised him again from the dead and set him at his own right hand. We know this because Christ has part of this psalm quoted to him by the devil in the wilderness when he's being tempted. Jesus was tempted for our sin. He was wounded for our trespasses. By his stripes, we are healed. And all the promises of God are yes and amen in him to the glory of God by us if we're believers. As we talk about the coronavirus today, the one thing that you and I want to learn how to do is to voluntarily and intentionally find ourselves dwelling and abiding under the shadow of the Almighty that we might get through this whole event safely. I got to take a break. I've got three lines open. one 888 I want to hear from you as to how you're dealing with it, uh, your questions, your concerns your observations, your experiences, and I'll keep pressing a number of of practical issues and instructions that I need to share with all of you concerning this radically um, modified experience of the people of God in terms of us not being able to gather together to worship. What can we do during this time where we are asked by our government to stay away from the assembly of the saints, which is the ground and basis upon which we are strengthened in the faith? I'm going to talk about all of that to you pastors out there 
as well as to myself and those who are faithful members in a local gospel church where Christ is exalted and the word of God is taught. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. Two lines open, one 367 I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we're back. The time 529. And what we're doing is basically looking at, well, I guess I can say some repeated history, if you will, around viruses and, and diseases and, and, and epidemics or pandemics. Uh, I'm reminded of the, uh, the, the influenza breakout in 1918 and how in a, in a similar way, except I think that we are doing a better job than uh, many of them in that era because of technology in terms of uh, getting at this matter right away. Uh, many, many, many businesses were shut down in that 1918 era, and many, many churches also were closed down, as are the case right now for many of us here in the Bay Area. And uh, and and can you imagine, though, in 1918, not having, uh, you know, a, a vehicle like radio or and I'm sure they had radio at that time, but not as prolific as we have it now or Internet or or means by which we could talk to each, each other or telephones that had the kind of broad um, uh, bandwidth that we have today where we can maintain connection with each other and the, the impact of that. That's one of the things I want to talk about with you right now for even though many of us can still enjoy the benefit of a kind of virtual fellowship as we are doing now, this is going to be a very difficult time. You guys understand that uh, things won't even begin to be considered going back to normal until April 7th of 2020. That's virtually three weeks uh, from now. So we got these three weeks where we will be largely told to stay home and it will have some benefits depending on your circumstances that uh, for other people is going to be extremely difficult. It's going to be extremely challenging for people. This is why you want to keep people in prayer. You want to keep the less advantaged in prayer. You want to keep people who are vulnerable in prayer. You want to keep the older people in your prayers. You want to keep single people in your prayers. You want to keep people that are um, isolated for whatever reason in your prayers. These are going to be difficult times. The first thing, however, that I want to say to the body of Christ out there relative to what? is, again, uh, another wave of, uh, of disease that takes on an apocalyptic component in terms of, uh, you know, sin brought this about. We talked about it last week. It's the consequence of sin. Our humanity is, is falling apart, and we don't have the ability to, uh, to, to maintain that kind of stability of, of life uh, normalcy that allows us to avoid these uh, hiccups and uh, tumults, and some might even say earthquakes, but certainly plagues, plagues that can have devastating effects. Now, we don't know a whole lot about this particular uh, COVID-19 coronavirus and its ultimate impact. We do know its roots. We do know it's connected to previous strains and viruses, and therefore a lot of people will get sick. And some people will die. We don't really know if it will morph and turn into something even more horrific. And so because we don't know, our government is taking the measures that it's taking. What I would say to you as the people of God is that at a time like this, when our lives are disrupted and we are moving into a new normal that basically is isolating us, 
And on some levels, creating panic. There's no doubt about that. I'm going to talk to you about my experience of going to the store shortly before coming here to the program. Um, The one thing that you want to make sure that you do is stay under the word of God. You want to make sure, child of God, that you don't allow this change in life patterns to give you an excuse to do anything self-destructive. Do not do anything that would be destructive to your soul. Do not engage in anything that would destroy your fellowship with God, that would impede your spiritual sustenance over these three weeks. Don't take this as an opportunity to be mischievous when it comes to your relationship with God. This is a test. You might as well know it. This is an absolute test for all of us. And this is a test of exposure as well as purging. Every child of God would know this. Every Faithful and honest pastor would know this. Elders would know that we are under test. There's no doubt about it. And in times of testing, we are going to be exposed as to where we are in our walk with God. There is no doubt about it. We have uh, come into that takeaway period. We are in that mode where God is taking away from us the privileges and the benefits and the blessings that we've had as a nation. Uh, far exceeding the blessings and privileges of many people around the world. Here we are now. And the thing that a child of God must do is, as I hinted at and asserted in Psalm 91, is intentionally, intentionally dwell, intentionally abide in the center of God's will and in the person of Jesus Christ on a very practical level, making sure that your heart and your mind is sanctified on a consistent basis by the word of God. I, I, I and, and and while I'm talking about that, I, I do want to say to the pastors out there, I know your worship service has been disrupted. And there are many uh, congregations, small and average and middle size and large and, and, and very large that have had to shut down because of this policy. But I want to encourage you men who are faithful to God's word, that faithfully explain God's word, that that point men and women to Jesus and, and really call us to a real deep relationship with God. This is not the time for you to take a vacation. Preacher, this is not the time for you to say, okay, well, I'm, I'm not going to work on my studies. I'm not going to communicate to the people of God. We're going to all sit in the shelter of our homes. Perish the thought. Now more than ever, you preacher need to be preaching more, not less. You need to be preaching more. If you have the means of communicating with your flock by radio or by telephone or by live stream, as is the case for me, I'll explain that when I come back from the break. Your job is to preach more. You need your flock to be hearing you if you are God's servant You need your flock to hear you during this time on a frequent level, on a frequent level. When I come back, I'm going to talk about the danger of the decree to disband the saints and to scatter them abroad as this particular decree, as this particular uh, uh, governmental emergency is is doing. It's I want you to understand there's a real danger. There's a real danger of collapsing. under the weight of this governmental policy and you you don't want to you 
Listen to me, pastors and elders out there. You know your flock. We know our flock. You have many in your flock. Maybe it's not the aggregate whole, but there are many in your flock that are fledgling. They're weak branches. They are smoking flaxes. They are very weak sheep, very weak sheep. And there are many who, who, who are on the margins of even not even being really true believers. You know that. You know that. The last thing they need is to be meandering about just sitting around wasting their mind and wasting their heart and wasting their life watching folly on television or on the Internet and not engaged in spiritual exercises. The last thing your flock needs is to have a vacation from the ordained gathering of the people of God, especially in these times. That's the last thing they need. There are many, many, many weak saints, many, many weak professing believers who who don't need uh, an opportunity, an excuse to get lazy and to sit on their butts. The last thing you want, pastor, is that uh, they don't hear from you for a week. It's the last thing you want. I'm going to quote to you the mandate that God gives all of us, and you will know it when I quote it. I'm quoting from Hebrews chapter 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. The one that despised Moses law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. How much sore punishment you shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the, the blood, the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and has done despite unto the Spirit of grace. And if you know anything about how to hear the Word of God unpacked to you, what he's saying is that the man or the woman that is starting to depart from the gospel assaults the Father, assaults the Spirit, and assaults the Son. That's what he's saying, leaving God, leaving the Son of God, despising the blood and despising the spirit of grace. It's the spirit of God that contains us, that keeps us within the parameters of fellowship. You know that. It's the spirit of God that deals with our conscience and our hearts and keeps us from drifting into the dark paths of vanity and folly that we would be inclined to apart from the grace of God. You do know that. And some of us are stronger in Christ than others. Some of us understand the practice of daily walking with God. Some of us understand that our our very salvation is rooted in this consistent communion with the Savior around his word. Others of us don't. We many of the professed people of God are are on the on the precipice of destruction because their lifestyles are fundamentally uh, defined by carnality and, and, and foolishness and a shallow walk. And can you imagine if this decree, this 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 governmental imposition were were to last three months, as some of our doctors are saying, my primary primary care doctor made it plain that we won't really have a healthy uh, assessment and pathology of this coronavirus for real, particularly in California, until somewhere around June or July. And what if comes uh, uh, comes um, April seventh? 
the governor and all of the uh, health department authorities say to us that we need to maintain this quarantine. Can you imagine? Can you imagine this, Pastor? Your flock of of fifty people, or a hundred people, or five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred people, and even more, such as we have out there. Can you imagine what kind of spiritual deficit would would begin to dominate their lives if they are not abiding in the word of God, if they are not being being encouraged, if they're not being provoked to love and to good works because they have now experienced such a depletion of fellowship around the word of God? I say all that to say this. If you have the tools and the power, preacher, you need to be speaking to your people in every means possible every day. Every day you should be speaking to them. One of the things we will be doing uh, at Grace Bible Church is live streaming messages three, four, five times a week. This is for our congregation at Grace because we're shut down, too. So those of you who are listening, Grace is shut down too. the the uh, the San Lorenzo, San Lorenzo School District has shut it down. So we have to now live stream. You guys will get a notice of that uh, on our website. We will be, we will be making telephone calls to let people know that we won't be able to gather. But there will be a skeleton uh, of a team for us who will open up the live stream and I will teach and I will preach virtually every day so that you can follow us. You'll be able to see the times up there on the screen. Uh, You'll be able to follow with us and you'll need to do it. For those of you with families and your kids are at home, you'll be able to have a time of devotion with me uh, because you need to do that. You just don't need to be lost. And even if you aren't doing it with me, you can do it with somebody, but just make sure that the whole of your day is not given over to secularism and carnality because it will affect you. Over a three week or four week or six week or nine week or 12 week period, there will be an effect of that kind if we don't find ways to encourage each other and build each other up. Of course, in the midst of trials, there are secret blessings that occur. Of course, in the midst of difficulty, God shows his people the ability through dexterity to find ways to to continue to keep uh, their spiritual health intact. But without a doubt. The mandate to gather for the people of God whenever it's broken throughout history, whenever it's broken through pandemics, through through wars or whatever the case may be, apostasies, assaults on the church. Whenever the church has been scattered, as Matthews twelve thirty puts it, whenever the church has been scattered, we can always know that there is a fundamental evil behind it. Jesus made it very plain in Matthew twelve thirty. He that is not gathering with me is against me. He that is not for us is against us. He that is not gathering, gathering, gathering is scattering. So I want to tell you, pastors, you are obligated to do everything you can to minister to your flock every day throughout this period so that they are not just overwhelmed with the secular data of the events and just immersed into kind of the hopeless narrative that comes with a Bibleless interpretation of the affairs of this world. We will be going through the book of Revelation as we already are, and I will be taking relative snippets through that book to unpack and bless our souls with a recognition, recognition, if you will, of the sovereignty of Jesus Christ over this world for the protection and edification and advancement of his church while it suffers the opposition of this secular world system 
And I'm praying that God will bless it to all of our hearts as we are reminded once again of this, the absolute supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus Christ, the Lord over all this stuff that's happening. He's the one that holds the seven seals in his hand. He's the one that possesses the one scroll in his hand. He's the one that's unfolding human history, if you will, by his authority as the mediator between God and men. He's the one that's in, unfolding the will of God, the decree of God, the purposes of God that you and I are a part of even at this very moment. He's the one that's doing that. And he would have his people to see him in his glory as executing his will, even in these difficult times for the edification of his people and for the glory of his father. And you and I want to have an ear wide open to what thus saith the Lord to the church of the living God. While we are going through these difficult times, you do not want to be missing in action. You do not want to be found without. I'm going to share a couple other verses when we come back from the break of the danger of being outside of the abiding and dwelling under the shadow of the almighty in the secret place. You cannot survive outside of Christ. You cannot do it. These are times when the people of God need to armor up. They need to shelter up. They need to be wise and prudent. Not foolish and silly. You're listening to the Monday edition of Lifeline. I've got two lines open, one 367 5329 I'll be more than willing to give you counsel, give you advice, give you encouragement to hear from you along these lines. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we'll back, we're back. You'll find a variety of religious responses to the deadliest epidemic in American history which coincided with the last days of the Great War and the last debates over the ratification of prohibition. While most Christians made the best of church closures, many grumbled and a few went to jail rather than stop worshiping. Sunday, September 29, 1918, Boston, Massachusetts. Monday's front page of the Globe called it the quietest Sunday Boston ever saw. With cars largely off the city streets and the worship service and other public gatherings called off, Boston's largest newspaper observed that there was less for the citizens to do probably than on any Sunday since the old Puritan days. Sunday, October 6, 1918, Cincinnati, Ohio, defying the health board order prohibiting all public gathering. Father William Scholl held morning mass as a scheduled as scheduled at St. Joseph's German Catholic Church. When a police lieutenant arrived on the scene, the priest declared he was not interested in the order. But police kept any further services from proceeding. The Enquirer reported widespread indignation against Scholl. With dignitaries of the Catholic Church joining the protests against the disregard of an order that was issued to safeguard the health of the community. Friday, October 11th, 1918, Los Angeles, California. The city council issued an ordinance closing all churches, prompting the city's Christian scientists to protest that they provide services for the dissemination of a universal understanding of omnipotent divine power, reliance upon which effectually aids in destroying the dread of contagion. Uh, That's a mouthful. 
Four weeks later, a local appeals court refused to release Harry P. Hitchcock, a Christian scientist arrested for atten- uh, attending a public church gathering in violation of the city anti-flu ordinances. One of the five scientists arrested, Hitchcock had argued that the order was an unconstitutional, unwarranted exercise of police authority. And there will be some that will do that as well today. Here's another one before we go to the phone lines. Saturday, October 12th, 1918, Buffalo, New York, while local churches remain closed in accordance with the mayor's proclamation, several congregations, however, have arranged to conduct outdoor services. There you go. Tomorrow. The Courier listed several open-air masses in St. Paul's, the Episcopal Cathedral, plan to worship in Shelton Square with the assistance of its full choir. The service will consist largely of singing of patriotic hymns and General Pershing's message to the churches of America will be read. So there you go. Even in the influenza uh, plague and pandemic back in 1918, you saw that the churches didn't immediately collapse under the decree of the local magistrates or governors or mayors, etc. They found ways, ladies and gentlemen, they found ways to actually make sure sure that the flock was not overwhelmed by the uh the the overwhelming or the 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 burdensome nature of the epidemic because what what are you going to do in a in an epidemic that may hit you or may not hit you are you just going to lie down and just waste away are you going to drink yourself into oblivion? Are you going to smoke weed into oblivion? Are you going to watch porn uh, uh, into oblivion? Are you going to do all of the kind of foolish things uh, into oblivion during this time? The pastor Christians don't do that. Sorry, they do. And uh, in, in, in terms of shutting things down, I, I think, yeah, you need to shut down the pubs. You need to shut down the clubs. You need to shut down the whore joints, the bathhouses in San Francisco. Every form of immorality should be shut down. Uh, that should be shut down for sure. But there should have been on the part of our government uh, modifications by which worship and the gathering of the people of God who actually know God could be uh, practiced and demonstrated in a safe fashion. Here's why I say that. And I've got one line open. one 888 So right now, the basic ordinance is what? That we need to have safe distance between each other somewhere around six to nine feet in diameter, right? And, and yet uh, the government is allowing us to go to stores and get gasoline. That means we have to go into small quarters and stand in line and, and meet people. The government is allowing us to go into the grocery store and get food. I was just there a couple hours ago at um, I was at Whole Foods right here down the street from my office, from our studios. And the lines were all the way to the back of the room. It took me almost an hour to just get a few goods. The lines are packed. Why? Because people are gradually beginning to what? Panic. But you know what's happening because of the uh, the ordinance? We are forced to can like sardines in order to get our goods. Now, this is going to happen for several days until we start to see uh, policies held by our stores uh, that would only allow so many people into the building. But back to my point. This is where, you know, human judgments are very, very shaky. And I definitely will be talking about the danger of this as a precedent in the future, which will very much impact ministry on a gospel level uh, and therefore the health of the church of the living God. 
Um, so if in fact the whole goal is to stand nine, six to nine feet in circumference from uh, your neighbor who might be a, a, a carrier of the virus and therefore don't shake hands and don't hug, etc. Why don't you make that a standing policy consistently? Uh, Governor Newsom uh, and, and the health department and Washington, Sacramento. Why don't you just make that consistently one? Because if you do, on the one hand, you actually can't uphold that because people have to get into close proximity for certain reasons. And I understand the argument. Well, we can't stop you from getting food, getting gas, etc. I, I suppose not. But if you're going to just set up that arbitrary set of parameters, why don't you let those of us who have the ability to do outside ministry? Because as you heard about the church in 1918 setting up outside church, why can't we do that? Why can't the people of God gather outside as long as we keep six feet uh, in in, in diameter around us or nine feet if that's the issue? Why can't we just do that? Why can't we have outside ministry or in such a case as ours at Grace? We have a 10,000 square foot building and we were all prepared to follow those rules of uh, of, of spacing ourselves. So we're going to have two services. We have 680 chairs in our building, almost 700, probably about 700 when it comes to uh, just other benches and stuff like that there. And, and, and we were going to have a service at 10 o'clock where 250 people could gather and we could speak. Spread them out easily over that 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 required space, but no, they want to they want to clamp down more. You can't have at one point you can only have fifty. Now they want to quarantine it completely. Do you see the danger of that kind of irrationale? And it is creating, if you will, uh, a panic on the part of people. They're wondering will they have will there be enough food on the shelves? Will there be enough milk on the shelves? And 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 and, and to my other utter chagrin, will there be enough toilet tissue on the shelf? Toilet tissue, come on! All right, I guess that is a useful item. But there you go. Here we are. Thankfully, however, we are not in 1918. We are a hundred years out plus some now. 2020. And we have technology. So I want to encourage you once again to understand the blessing and benefit of Internet and the ability for us to continue to talk like I'm talking to you now. I mean, if if had if it had to be radio, then all the saints would be on the radio every time their pastor, every time their shepherd has a message from God for them. All the all the members of the body of Christ who are quarantined by the system would be listening to their radios and listening to the word of God and listening to the unpacking of scripture and listening to the wisdom of God and, and direction coming from God to the people of God by which God's people are sanctified by the word of God and by prayer so that you and I can, can continue to sustain ourselves through these troublesome times. So again, I want to encourage the pastors, don't go to sleep, don't get lazy. Uh, pray and prepare messages that are relevant and timely and God exalting and Christ honoring and biblical and sound to encourage and to feed and to nurture your people through this time. Help them use this time to fast away from the folly that we are so used to and the normalcy of the pattern of life that we've had prior to this imposition. This is what I want to encourage all you pastors to do. And if you want to call me, I don't mind. Call me. Let's talk about it, Pastor one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Pastor, tell me what are you doing 
uh, to offset this time where your flock now has been by decree separated from you. Tell me how you're going to encourage them and build them up and strengthen them as we make our way through this right now, very arbitrary three week period, which could go into months. How are you going to minister to them? How are you going to bless them? How are you going to stay bearing upon their conscience the vital word of the living God from a standpoint of your calling? How are you going to do that? This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. I actually have to take another break, and then I'll come back and take your phone calls. I've got one line open, one 367 We'll be right back. 